See, hopefully everything goes good. What's, what's with the steering wheel? Oh, what? he's using it to hold his phone up. Yeah. You don't have like a little kicker? What no. kicker? No. What are you talking about? Anyway, well, anyways. Let, let's go live. <laughs> Indeed, folks. Welcome. And, uh, whoa. You're right there? Yeah, yeah, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> breaking okay. the whole thing. So, starting like, off on a little good excited, A little excited. <laughs> a little excited? I'm a little, little jumpy. Oh, boy. Told Any you this table is on. Guys, welcome back. Uh, before we get started, I kind of wanted to go over uh, some quick updates and some quick notes. Uh, first off, I want to thank, on well, behalf of everybody that was in part of the whole Clutch Kickers uh, live stream, want to thank you all for tuning in. We had just as much fun uh, out there. Uh, I mean, with everybody that was tuning in, it was it was a crazy weekend, and we're just glad that everybody uh, that tuned in had uh, a good time because it, it really was so yeah uh, make sure to uh check out the next event which is taking place uh, august 20 20th through 22nd 20th through the 22nd mm-hmm. also be aware they're actually so they sold out of the tornado shirts that were a limited <laughs> run <laughs> and I, I bought all of them <laughs> yeah no i guess Noel did buy all of them they sold out of those shirts at the track but they are planning to do a pre-order so make sure to follow the clutch kickers instagram i'm sure they will make an announcement at some point when that goes live so be sure to check that out um what else did i wanted to mention and the holy shit fest which is be um that's coming up soon so Mm -hmm. uh stay tuned for that and anything i I think that's we is isn't it the week after um it's the week out yeah week after clutch kickers 28th and 29th yeah, yeah, that's going to be camping music festival. There's yeah, a lot of people upset. I've seen in some certain chats, but yeah, oh I think I think certain things weren't explained to all. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't really cost all that much if you come with a driver. I think it was like twenty something bucks. But it's yeah. it, it's the idea behind that is just to try to get more drifting fans from. We did that at remember we did U.S. Drift Circuit at the yeah. stadium. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. We did a big event. We actually had like almost four thousand people show up, and this was. At the Dolphin Stadium, and we had a car show, a talent competition. We had a uh, solo competition and tandem competition running side by side. And we, it, you know, you get new fans that way. So mm-hmm. like it or you know, hate it, 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 it as long as it produces new fans, that's it'll achieve its goal. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Um, what? No. No, that's it. That was oh, all, okay. That's, that's all. I um, there was a couple of other things, but I can't really recall at the moment. Let's just go ahead and introduce our special guest of the evening. You know him as the only returning judge of the Clutch Kickers $100,000 Drift Series. Whether you know him as that or his love for Toyotas, let's give it up for Mr. Will Parsons. We, we need like... Um, we need like... A- we gotta get some sound effects. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have sound Crazy effects. Yes. Sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's mm. nice to be here. <laughs> well, we're glad you can make it. I know it was a crazy uh we well, maybe not as crazy as the previous round, arguably, but you made it, you're here, and I think the first question that I have in mind that I wanna start off with is when did your love for Toyotas begin? love for toyotas um probably around 2003 ish um i grew up in a small town in belleville texas it's like 
really tiny. Graduated high school, and I was always into domestics when I was in school. I liked Chevrolet and V8s and stuff. And then I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to flight school. And I got a job at a local movie theater. And all of my coworkers were, they were a little bit younger than me. So they were still like graduating high school, like just graduated high school. And they all had MK3 Supras. And that's when my love for Toyota started was riding around with those guys in their MK3s. Mm. Nice. What, what was it about the MK3 that stood out for you? Well, was I it just, the weight? I, <laughs> I honestly didn't know what an MK3 was until I saw theirs. I was like, what is that car? Like, I don't, I've never seen that car before. I knew what an MK4 was, but I didn't really know what it was. And they just, they also are the people that really introduced me to drifting also. Um, There's a couple of them that were into drifting and one of them actually had an A86 which I didn't really know about those cars either until that guy. And then I was hooked hmm. instantly. Oh. Nice. So did you guys, I mean, back then, well, so what year was that? You said 2003. 2003. 2003. Yeah. So, wow, so we're talking... We're talking way back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I know. It's, <laughs> it, it was myself. <laughs> yeah, but that. But that's good that people can see that, right? Because a lot of times you get new people in the stream, or people watch clutch kickers and they don't know where you guys are from, or oh, these guys don't know how to judge. It, of course, you get a lot of garbage on the chat, right? Yeah. But Definitely. um. When I was talking on the live stream, I mentioned quite a few times that between the three you guys, you have almost 50 years of experience. Yeah, it's yep. insane. <laughs> right. So, and, and a good amount of that has been also not just driving, but a lot of behind the scenes with running events. Is that correct? Yes, it is for sure. Previous We've to, definitely been in it a bunch. Yeah. Previous to Clutch Kickers, what other events were you involved with? Well, I was heavily involved with the original group in Texas was called Daily Drifter, or original group in Houston, I should say. And uh, it was ran by a guy named uh, John Yim, who has recently started drifting again. Um, and that's who kind of ran like the, the Pro-Am series um, at that time, which was like 2006, 2007, like in there. And Aaron ran events, but in like Dallas, Fort Worth area. So when Daily Drifter kind of died, then Aaron, and it, w it was called Fabricated Motorsports, but he sort of took over like the Houston, like basically the whole drift scene in Texas for the most part. And so I was heavily involved with those events also. Um, yeah. That's where I got my FD license and all that was through Lone Star Drift. So how so how did that what um let me rephrase the question. When you're driving, right, and you want to do events, how did you get roped into trying to uh run events back then or or be a part of it? Is it just cuz nobody else was stepping up or you just saw that nobody knew what the heck they were doing, so you're like I somebody's got to run this thing or was it just uh just you guys saying, hey, "Listen, we want to provide something for the local community kind of thing." Well, they always like we're doing a good job. And I mean, I mostly drove the events until okay. 
2012 is when I got my FD license. And then 2013 is when I went to FD. So then I became really heavily involved with the more like judging and running the event side, like to help him. Cause I felt like I was giving back to, you know, the series that helped me get to where I was at. If mm-hmm. you follow me um, mm-hmm. before that, it was more just like showing up to all the events, like, you know, getting all my friends to go, things like that, supporting them that way is more than running the events. Yeah. Um, but I was always friends with Aaron and with uh, John. So I was always right from the beginning, basically. Um, okay. I don't know. They well, both did good. Yeah, no, that's, that's good stuff. Because we used to run, me and my brother and Ben, we used to run the events down here. And it was kind of something that just... We didn't really have anything, so we kind of got thrown into it, it, right, in order to provide something for well, everybody locally. What really happened was that you got we got uh, you got the felony for drifting. Well, in the- yeah, <laughs> so, Wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for practicing on the street, right? Like I could barely do a figure eight, and here I am getting going, you know. But anyways. So yeah, so I was like, <laughs> it's, like on. it's like nothing you'd be proud of. It. It's not like I was blowing through an intersection, you know, full angle and smoke and everything. No, I was barely doing a figure eight. It was like, like yeah, that's that's, that's well, that's when we figured. That's when we said, look, we gotta we gotta find a track, and there was no tracks down here, so mm-hmm. we had to figure out something. Luckily, a, a drag strip just opened. At the yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah, the drag strip opened. We were able to figure something out. That's gone now. But we have US Drift with uh, Jackson Performance that takes does that and does the Sebring events. So it's it's what we got. Unfortunately, it's not too close. And you got OSW and OKC. So there, there's there's stuff a few hour drives away. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you is, so you have a pretty extensive driving career, not just um, driving, but also with running the events, judging events. But take all the events and what could you point or what event do you think could you name like was your all-time favorite? Where Whether it be a track that you've always wanted to drive or uh, be with a group of people that you always wanted to drive with. Basically, I guess what would be your drifting highlight? If you had to pick a shining moment in all your drift career, what would you think would be your favorite of all time? Whew, that's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, Favorite of all time, probably for like just vibes and everything, would be Laughlin Pro Am in 2007. Oh, I remember that one. What Uh, made that so special? Well, so how they used to do FD licensing, you would drive in your local series and you had to finish within a certain place. So from Texas, they invited eight people. So eight people basically from every region all over the country. So there was guys from Florida. There was guys from yeah, Chicago. There was guys Ryan, from, Ryan. you know, Coffin Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of people did it. But so everybody got invited and it was like they hyped it really well. And so then everybody went to this weird place in Nevada, Laughlin, Nevada, which is a really – it's a gambling town, but it's right on the border of Arizona. And the track is actually in Arizona and they paved it like randomly in a parking lot. But it just was amazing as far as meeting people and everybody just being real excited and representing their region. I don't know. I've been to a lot of events and all the events after that are more, 
cutthroat. Like okay. people aren't trying to be friends. Mm. You know, it's mm. real serious. That mm. event was real serious, but it also was everybody was just excited to have been invited, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah. that totally makes sense. Absolutely. Um, That's cool. I wanted to say, um, because I know 2013 was your first year in FD, uh, so I wanted to I wanted to talk about the fact that you come into the series with an 8.6 still powered by a 4AG. Uh, how did it feel to come in with a knife to a gunfight, uh, essentially? Well, so <laughs> in 2013, I had the F20. Oh, okay. Uh, I was wrong then. Yeah, but it still was, still was way underpowered. Um, it was... I knew the car like wouldn't be able to be as fast as some of the other cars I was going against. It was more like, can I hang skill wise? Um, which I feel like I can driving wise, I should have prepared better. Um, but going in really, I had just open mind about the whole thing and I was just ready to just go to each round and do my best. Mm -hmm. It actually was really fun. The first year in FD for all the struggles and everything, it um, it was a really good time. Yeah, I was excited about that year because it was uh, like a small influx of 86s, and I was still an 86 guy at that time. Uh, yeah. You had you coming in, Luke Pakula, and you still had Taka. Yeah. So it was – and I was always rooting you guys on, and it was like, oh, so close. <laughs> yeah. So close, yeah. And that's – it was it was a tough year for all of us. Um, Taka did the best, obviously. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. we did our best too, me and, and Luke. Um, it was tough, but it was really fun too. Just learning the ropes and mm -hmm. still had a lot of hope at that point. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so currently, as far as as a, on the drivers, uh, you know, as far as being a driver, where are you at? Do you have a Tell anybody are you building something right now? What do you what are you driving right now? Are you looking to do events? Well, I still have my SC, um, which is one J and it's stock twins, and I still drive it occasionally. I drive no coast every year, which is like my favorite event to go to. Um, I've been focusing a lot on clutch kickers, and that takes up a good chunk of time and days off. Uh, I still love driving. There's local events here in Houston, but I haven't been making them recently. Uh, mostly just driving no coast. <laughs> uh, mm. We had a EYB in New Orleans, but that seems like it's gone. So mm. not mm. sure. Right. So um, any future plans to develop that car further or just with clutch kickers, just keeping too busy? Well, I go back and forth. So I love driving the car. I really wish I could drive it with power now because I feel really comfortable in the chassis, which the whole time I drove it, I drove it in one season of pro two with big power and it was set up, but I did, it took me the whole year to learn how to drive it. And I didn't really feel comfortable in the car until two years after that. Um, even in street legal in the same chassis, I never felt good in it until maybe mid 2017. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like great in it. So I'm like, oh, I should add power. Yeah. But then tires and maintenance yeah. and everything goes up. So it's yeah. a difficult choice. 
I can kind of relate to that. It, and I, I'm glad you said that because it's something like in my head that I came from an E30. So I had an E30 for a long time and I struggled with the setup and battled with different setup things. And then once I finally got it dialed in and I had, I had finally got the, I got, I think one of the first YSFAP kits. Mm-hmm. for the e30 in the states right nice yeah it was it was nice and it was cool to have that and before Wisefab was even really an fd it was just that that whole debacle whether it's gonna be with, fd legal right that whole well, with the whole yeah uh strut tower strut tower issue yeah. that they had or yeah. whatever but going back to what you're saying is i was so towards the end of the last couple of years of me driving that car i would just i could put it i felt like i put it wherever i wanted i can go to a track and i can no problem. Link it and then dial myself in. I'm in the 350Z and I've had it for a little over a year, but I only do a handful of it, maybe two, three events a year. So maybe I have like six or seven events on this car and I, I have that feeling. Like I just don't feel comfortable and like I did my E30. How can advice for me? Obviously, driving, is there any anything else that you could give me advice on trying to get myself comfortable with the car? For For me, it was just. I had to push myself out of my comfort zone in the car, which is difficult to do depending on where you're driving and just seat time. Yeah. Uh, I have trouble pushing myself when it's not a competition setting. Mm -hmm. So that's, what's nice about no coast is they have a little fun comp there and I end up pushing myself too hard and, the little competition they have with Brandon Wicknick and Dwayne and stuff. They all drive it to you. I think it's uh, a Corolla thing. Yeah, yeah it definitely for is. Sure. Yeah. It just takes time though. Yeah. And if you can't push yourself out of your comfort zone, then it's real hard to learn where the limits of the chassis are and where the corners are and stuff like that. Which right. on the SC, it took me a long, it took years for me to really feel comfortable in it where I'm, I know where the car is going to go. Those are two different total chassis. I mean, what what's the key differences that you've noticed from going from an 8.6 to an SC? Because I've always wanted to buy an SC, but it just seems like a long boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's a really deceiving chassis because when you drive it, and this is the problem I had the first couple of years and in pro two is I would be driving it and I'd feel great. I'm, oh, I'm snapping transitions. I've got big angle. I'm killing it. And then everyone else is kind of like, yeah, <laughs> angle. like your transitions are real slow. And then I'd watch video and I'm like, man, it feels different in the car uh, i said i said the same thing i drifted i drifted a volvo when it, first time and and i felt like i was drifting and then they showed me a video i'm like i'm not even getting sideways <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah oh, and man, that's funny. it's weird but learning how to pitch the weight and everything is a big part of the sc which in the corolla it's more just trying to hold on to the weight and not get it, <laughs> let it get too far away from you. Um, so it's completely different driving styles. Hmm. Um, I love the Corolla. I need to get it back out for sure. Now, even just wanted to say, like, even not being comfortable in the SC, you still want Texas Street Legal in that car. I mean, uh, that's that's just a testament to your driving ability. Or was that something where you? While in competition, you were just like, I have to do it. I have to push myself. I have to really learn the car right now. 
It was, it was definitely that. I really, really wanted to win the prize. So I took street legal and the guys that were driving street legal, a lot of them are really good drivers, but they were having a good time. And I was having a good time too, but in the competition, I wanted to win. I went in it with the mindset of, I want to win the prize and I want to go to Japan. So I, I really, I was kind of cutthroat in the competition. <laughs> <laughs> more so than I normally would be. Um, but I definitely took it serious and I pushed the car hard and it worked out, but I, I still never even really felt comfortable. I was pushing it definitely out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And then the next year I drove a few of the street legal competitions actually against the uh, Adam LZ and a couple other people, uh, Mesker, and a few of those guys um, drove in it. And that's when I really started feeling comfortable in the car, was driving with those dudes. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to mention, we, we got actually a couple of questions from our viewers in the chat. Uh, starting off with uh, Rafael Vidal, who writes, Will, if you won the lottery, what color would you paint your 8.6? And would you get a coupe or a hatch? First question. <laughs> Go ahead. It'd have to be a hatch for a Corolla for sure. And I'm definitely painting the same color green. green. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a quick response. All right. And yeah. from uh, Pico de Gallo Racing writes, uh, question for Will, Jay-Z or RB? And why do you Jay-Z more? LOL. <laughs> definitely Jay-Z for me. Probably 1J. I, my 1J and my SC is a tank. It has lived through things that it it should not have lived through. Mm, RBs don't, I don't think RBs could take what my 1J is taking already. Oh, oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, that's that's what I win. I I got an E46 um, that's at Jackson Performance. It's been there for almost four years now. Um, (laughs) Just because. It's like become a staple of Jackson Performance. I think every time. You know, it's been through. I think 15 different employees. Every time a new employee starts, I was like, I bet she'll quit before this car's done. <laughs> so, but I know. think every time you bring it up, you should add a year. Yeah, I think I should add yeah. a year. So it's five years now that my car has been there. It's almost done now, but I, 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 um, I went for the 1J non-VVTI. Um, yeah, that car is embedded into the floor, just letting you know. Yeah, yeah it's just part of the shop now. Yeah, it's part of the shop. Yeah. Uh, and... Well, that- and it's sort of a off-topic question, but I, it's it's in the chat from Rafael Vidal, who writes, "What the hell happened to Noel's head?" He <laughs> uh, got in a fight with a lawnmower. Yeah, yeah. I decided uh, that I wanted to look human again. So this is the, huh. the new clean-cut Noel. Yeah, this yeah. is only gonna last like a month. We got rid of Jack Black and brought yeah. Noel back. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, so here's a crazy question uh, from uh, from me. Have you ever thought about putting the 4AG or any variation of a 4AG into an SC? <laughs> uh, well, funny story. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, God. Good question. <laughs> Booyah. It's, it's even worse than that. Uh, so, so I daily drive a Coupe SR5. That's what I drive to work. Well, I drove it to Clutch Kickers, too. Oh, That's wow. my daily driver is a little Coupe uh, SR5 Corolla. Oh, and wow. it has the 4AC in it. It runs good. It gets 
almost 40 miles to the gallon. It's carbureted. Sick. I, Sick. I highly approve. Carry on. I, ba- I basically floor it everywhere. Like, <laughs> you're, just, you're just flooring it all the time, and it still gets good mileage. But I've been slowly working on a barn find 20 valve that a friend of mine found on Craigslist, and I have carburetors for it. Any Anyway, I'm going to eventually put that in the coop and then i have a bunch of sc chassis that are just like sitting next to my house that are rolling <laughs> chassis with no motors so i'm like oh just take the 4ac <laughs> put it into an sc do it All, yeah do it like a, four, a 40 dollar fuel pump and like two wires and it would be running yeah the slowest car that existed yeah it'll definitely be the I've, slowest car I've, I've had i've had a couple of sr5s i know how slow that is already <laughs> in the 86 chassis I, I don't know if that's going to be a funny time or a good time or a bad time, but I mean, good mm. luck, man. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, they they go forever, but they just go really slowly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, slow. yeah. yeah. But hey, get you where you need to go for sure. I have I had yeah. another question in a more serious matter. Um, how did you tackle the doors on your SC? Well, in FD, I had fiberglass doors on the car, uh, so that's cheat code. <laughs> cheat code. <laughs> yeah, but uh, when I drove in in street legal, you had to have windows, so I just ran full doors in street legal with the glass and everything. Ooh. Uh, now what I have in the car is completely gutted doors with no side impact bars, and I still have the glass but I made a system to basically I can put the window all the way up or halfway down or like all the way down and I can take it out also. So I can take the glass out with just uh, have basically cotter pins that hold it in place. Wow. Nice. Track. That's cool. Smart. The, the door is completely gutted. The hinge is still super heavy. I didn't ever get around that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you just mentioned that you drive to clutch shakers with the Corolla and you've been doing this for every round so far? No, I only drove the Corolla to one round last year. So last year I drove my wife's car. I drove my van to one round and I drove the Corolla to one. I guess, so I guess I drove hers to the other three or whatever. And I drove the van and the Corolla once. And then this year I've been renting cars. <laughs> cheating (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i noticed you ben rents a car (laughs) well i mean it's uh it works out i guess right (laughs) i mean with all the stuff that we gotta carry around Mm -hmm. but uh, you you need a vehicle to that you're not gonna care about if you're gonna do like site laps to make sure that the track is (laughs) is is up to par (laughs) especially when it's been flooded several times with like crazy weather conditions yep so, uh, what has, I mean, Tim, you wanted to ask him, uh, like how he got started with clutch figures, right? Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was going to go to next. Yeah, so let's, um, you, you mentioned, we talked about your previous experience, uh, and whatnot. We talked about how you were involved in other drift events and now two years ago, maybe three years ago, how did that conversation come about? Did they reach out to you? Is this, 
just kind of walk us through the 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 beginnings of you and Clutch Kickers. Yeah, so I drove EYB was one of my favorite events to drive, so I went to it almost every year. And the Clutch Kickers guys were at EYB the year before the series started, so we drove with them. I didn't really meet them there, but they were there. And then after the event, they just they reached out to me and they asked me if I wanted to be part of this series that they were trying to do. And so I I didn't really know uh, the Castleberry specifically. So I was kind of a little bit weary. I was like, yeah, I don't know. But it sounded really in- interesting. And so we did a conference call and I talked to Zach a bunch, like in emails and text messages. And uh, I liked what they had to say. And so I just, I jumped on board. They told me what they were doing and they seemed real serious. So mm-hmm. their level of seriousness is what, got me on board basically they didn't seem a lot of people want to run events and i've talked to a lot of people that are you know we're going to do an event there's going to be a comp but they're Mm -hmm. just a little too on the fence about details and how much money they're willing to spend and the clutch kickers was just they were all in from the start basically and that convinced me like oh they're serious so after your, what you say after like your first event, um, you were like, okay, these guys are serious. Or you think even before then you had, they, they were so far um, organized and just seemed like they knew what they wanted or was it, did it take a couple of events before you're like, okay, this is, this is really going to be something. Well, even, even before I went to Florida for round one last year, I thought that they were serious just from everything they had said and the way they projected everything and all the details that they had looked into and who they also had been talking to to judge. I was just there. I knew they were serious, but really, you know, you're still a little, little weary when you're right. meeting new people. So I went to round one and round one really like sealed it for me because there was issues with the track and um, on turn one, before you get to the outer zone, like part of the track had gotten kind of eaten away by a rainstorm or whatever, Mm -hmm. like the water carved out the backside of the asphalt. And so me and Pat and Greg, we were real worried about it. We're looking at it. We're like, man, this is not good. And Mike, you know, Castleberry immediately went it, went and rented a skid steer and brought it out to the track and immediately started fixing the track. And that, sealed it for me because most of the organizers I'd worked with before would never, they would try to figure out a way to fix that without spending money. Mm-hmm. Whereas he just was like, Oh, what does it cost to rent a skid steer? Like go get the skid steer right now and let's get it fixed. Like a hundred percent before we start the event. Wow. So wow. kind of seeing that, I was like, man, they're real serious. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I have to say at least for myself, when we first saw Clutch Kickers uh, or heard about the $100,000 Drift Series, when that ser- the series was starting up the first season, we were like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes after the first event when people aren't getting paid and have to make it to you, right? Because that's what we've seen. Um, we didn't have any firsthand experience with anybody there because we've been stuck down in, in the bottomless pit of South Florida for most of our lives. So a lot of the people up there, we didn't know some of the names and everything. So 
I was definitely skeptical because like we were talking prior to when we started that we've seen a lot of events that come out and have these big boasts and they, oh, we're going to be the next FD or we're going to be the next D1 and, and all these, oh, we have these sponsors here and they blow it up and they have such a, the almost like a, uh, this media presence that is really just like an empty, it's just empty, right? It's all nice on the surface, but then once the event starts going, you see it start to fall apart and you see, um, you know, like friendships getting broken. You see bridges getting burned and you're like, ah, so when I saw clutch kickers, I was thinking, oh man, this is going to be another one of those. I don't want to name events, but you know, KMS, um, or, uh, (laughs) or, you know, some other events out there. Did I say, I said, okay, I'm sorry, but (laughs) you know what I mean? It's not going to be, it's going to be another one of these. And then after I think the second one, we're like, wow, okay, this might be something. And, and and the third one come around, we're like, wow, this is you could see the change and the quick growth. And then you start hearing things like the Castleberries, their 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 goal and every actually all the staff, all you guys, just had this passion for running an event the way it should be and running it in a way that doesn't exclude the drivers, right? Because there are events out there that Oh, we're going to run it this way, and the drivers will have their voice, but their voice is never really being heard. Mm-hmm. So you guys make it a point because, I, and I think a lot of it has to do with this. Just about most of the staff are drivers, so you guys can relate to the drivers. And a lot of the drivers know you. A lot of drivers trust you. But the progression from round one last year to round one this year is like people can hate on it on the live stream all they want and talk trash about whatever because it's like, oh, we, we like. Oh, we'll just like I don't know if they think that you could just do the whole thing with a phone camera and live stream it's going to come out perfect. <laughs> I, I don't think they really realize what goes into it. So, but to see every round, even now, every round, there's a focus on okay, it went well, but how can we improve, right? So, exactly. what is your I want to say your part in that, or how do they come to you? Do they come to you and say, hey, Will, you know, things went good? Do they ask you for feedback constantly? Definitely. They're always asking for feedback and we're always trying to just improve on little things at each round, like what went wrong at this last event that we can improve on and just slowly getting better. I mean, and that's the difference between them and most of the series that just disappear is they didn't go into it with the mindset of, I feel like a lot of series go in and they have grand ideas about how much money they're going to make immediately like profit for themselves whereas clutch kickers i think knew that it was going to cost a certain amount of money and they were going to take losses to a certain point no matter what they did so they just didn't worry about that at all and just focused on making the events good and trying to make sure everything was scratched off the list you know at each round they we all talk, we have conference calls, things like that, and try to figure out what we can do at the next round to make it just a little bit better. You know, like, hey, this went bad at round two. You know, we need to fix this for round three. And it's been like that the whole time. So just scratching one thing off the list at a time, you know, mm. making it just a little bit better. Yeah. So so from the beginning, were you set to be a judge or, or did that happen just like maybe right before the first event? They they reached out to me and asked me to if I wanted to judge. That's okay. how they our conversation started. 
Because I judged a lot of Lone Star. Even when I drove in street legal, I still judged the Pro-Am competition. Um, so they they wanted me to do that. And they didn't, I think I was the first one that they officially like reached out to. And then they reached out to Pat and Greg after, you know, we kind of threw some names out. They were asking me who they could talk to and who would be good, a good candidate for it. And I gave mm-hmm. them my feedback and so it kind of went from there, yeah. but they definitely wanted me to be a judge right from the start. Yeah. And, and another thing I want to point to anybody that's watching and, and also on the live stream, I really tried to make it a point to, to educate the people, the fact that you guys, the three of you guys have so much experience that you're all pro drivers, right? Um, you, you've lived it. You've seen every aspect of it. And I think another aspect of what you guys bring, the three you guys bring, and as well as Pat last year, season two or season one that you guys also brought, is you guys, the spectators, the people watching live stream may not see it, but we see the respect the drivers have for you guys, right? There is a lot of respect for you guys. So what you may hear in the chat and all these other things is the drivers, for the most part, from what I've seen, the calls, sometimes they don't agree, but for the most part, you guys seem to to, to be able to carry that and and, and uh, that experience in a way that is because because basically you're judging people, right? So you're judging somebody's pride and joy, their runs. So there's that um, pride factor that people can get hurt. But when you're when you have when you're being told, okay, you're doing this wrong and this is why you're doing it wrong, but you're being told from somebody of experience. It's more of a mentoring, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, no, so for sure. How has that been for you? Because um, you guys, I mean, you're judging, I don't know, maybe the other events you judge some um, more experienced drivers, but it seems like this field of drivers that Clutch Kikiri has is bringing is um, it's pretty serious, right? So to be able to judge them, how does that feel? Oh, it's super serious. The drivers at Clutch Kickers are way more serious than anybody I've judged before. The competition is way more serious t- mm. as well. It's it's difficult. And a lot of the guys, well, not a lot of them, most of them are understand the calls before they happen. And then some people are upset. And usually after the event, you know, I can break it down. And they're like, oh, okay, you're right. I wasn't thinking about it like that. Or they can see the mistakes they made. Mm-hmm. Um, and try to improve. And I think a lot of them trust us. Some of them don't. It's You're never going to make everybody happy, but no. it's a difficult job, especially at the level, like around three, it just, everybody's getting so good at driving the, the, the yeah. track we have. It's yeah. really difficult to, it feels nitpicky at times because everybody's driving so well that, you're looking at little tiny things. And so then they're upset and it's like, well, you had this tiny mistake and the other guy didn't have the same tiny mistake. So it's, okay. I don't know. Not, not, not you're kind of bringing that up. Um, before we get into, I, I think there's a couple runs we want to watch. Um, but before we get into some of the runs from the uh, round three of season two clutch kickers, um, what would you think would benefit this series the most to make it more diverse or changing layouts or, or, or what do you, what do you, what would you think would really help the series to evolve to the next step? I think changing the layout would help a lot 
the thing that would help the most, which is the hardest to do, would be changing the location of the track, which is almost impossible. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if the track was in a place where they could get a good amount of spectators to it, it would be it would be perfect. Mm. Where it's at, it's just it's a hard pull, I feel like, to get spectators to the track. Mm-hmm. Where watching it live, it's extremely entertaining. Yeah. Um, battles are really close. There's lots of things to watch, but it's just it's out there on an island. Yeah. You know, I, I tell I tell everybody is like watching it on live stream and then going there in person is two different, total different things. Yeah. 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 It's what a, you a pro level event like it's serious it's mm. good competition yeah but even just a track alone what you see on a live stream it looks dead flat you don't it, it, we're not talking crazy amounts of um elevation, elevation change yeah. but it's there right and right. it does uh it does make a difference makes it dynamic makes it dynamic yeah. right exactly so yeah coming down from uh outer zone two going into uh outer zone three you could see it's a little bit of a drop but cars are picking up speed especially some of these really fast cars and you can see they got they got to put on the clamps to mm-hmm. get it to stop so yep. uh but it's it's definitely I, I also wanted to touch on the fact that the the level of driving is getting so high uh and well we, know, we saw a, a five a five month driver do super well oh yeah, yeah. Connor, which was crazy yeah yeah that that was uh connor o'sullivan that was doing really amazing now the thing is as a judge because i think we all have experience judging like smaller lower level events and it's already like it's pretty easy that guy spun this guy didn't yeah. <laughs> it's, still, it's still a thankless job but when it comes to splitting hairs like that where where it's just almost nothing that makes a difference uh how hard is it and and and, and how do you how do you take it when a driver comes up to you and be like you know this, i don't think it went this way like what are you going through I mean, it's real hard. It's one of the things I struggle with the most is uh, I have a lot of respect for the people that drive the event. So when they're upset that they lost, I really want to hear what they're saying and really want to convey to them why we made the choices we made. Um, It's really difficult. It's one of the hardest things for me judging is that I, I take it hard when people are real upset. So... Mm-hmm. I probably try to make them happy too much or whatever or explain <laughs> it too much. Some people are real rude. Not the most. The majority of people are not, but some are. Um, but you're never going to make everybody happy, but it's it's definitely a tricky area. So I just try to explain it to the best of my ability. And some people can look at it constructively and see – what we're talking about where their mistakes were made and some mm-hmm. can't they just can't see it yeah I, I think i got some good advice for you on this one so the next time somebody comes up and they're kind of upset you just pass them over to officer dan <laughs> that is an excellent plan yeah, i think that's well, just kind of <laughs> <laughs> I think they're gonna further you're gonna be more upset after yeah, they talk yeah. to dan but hey but they'll be mad at officer dan and you could just kind of be behind officer dan saying well <laughs> no. <laughs> well, to talking about Officer Dan, I asked this question to uh, Mr. Ramsey, and I'm going to pass this on to you, sir. I would like 
your um, opinion on this. Oh, jeez. Yes. <laughs> so about. when Mr. Dan talks about him, he wants to be excited. He wants his pants or shorts to get tight. Mm. Does it get uncomfortable when that happens? And if so, how do you deal with it? I mean, I, I feel like if he's excited, I'm excited. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh each other. It's like, oh boy. Wow. So are we talking some tandem action going on over here at the judges booth? <laughs> you, know, you guys are sword fighting up there? up there. They stay up there, but <laughs> playing Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know who's the Sith Lord. <laughs> That's got to be oh, yeah, yeah. Well, when we see an exciting run, we just know to like, all right, leave the judges stand alone. Let mm-hmm. them. You That's know. why that camera wasn't working. Yeah, that's why the yeah, camera that, that makes sense. The camera up there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look that way. I, I, ha- I really honestly have to wonder if you have drivers out there that are questioning, like are trying to measure like how tight his shorts were because he was wearing shorts. <laughs> so you make the spotters like, so I'm in the car, right? And you're my spotter. Yeah. I'm in the car. I'm like, Ben, where's pants tight? <laughs> and you're going to be like, hold on one second. No, no. I'm, 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 <laughs> Are there any wrinkles? Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about in the driver's meeting. They're oh. looking at Dan and they're tr- measuring to see like how tight is he? Yeah, TP like, is like it, TP tight. Or? Is he wearing like loose and baggy oh. or like hmm. tight and 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 firm? Yeah. And then so that way they know exactly how much work they have to do. Yeah. To gain those style points. Yeah. Dan's <laughs> midsection is becoming somewhat of a um a hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, drivers should take note. They they should they should be looking at that, but I don't think. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a well, tip tip from the judges to the drivers. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, do you want to go ahead? Do you have any of the runs queued up at all? Uh, I'm trying. I thought okay. I had that that one run that you guys wanted to talk about, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, I, I guess for some reason it wasn't there. But well, do you um, have any run hooked up? I mean, I could. Okay. I could skip forward. Ah. Which one? It was uh, the second. It was it, technically the second battle of the top 64. It was Fellow with, versus Willie yeah, Poopy Espinosa. Yes. King's performance versus King's performance. Yeah. So I'll just kind of. Oh, oh, that's a little loud. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Let me see if I can find it right fast. Okay. So basically, I'll set the stage. Um, fellow and Bavero. Mm-hmm. And Bavero. I think he corrected me a couple times. We we I got to catch up with him in the pits, but I've known fellow for a while. Fellow is he still can't pronounce his name right? Yeah, I st- well, it's it's <laughs> it's that accent, you know. Um, but fellow has been honestly, when I was early in drifting, like fellow was like somebody I looked up to. Like I was like, God, the guy rips. Like it just he was so exciting, and he was always just so cool. Like fellow was just like the nicest guy. And like you go up to him anytime, even if he's working in the car, and he would just like, yeah, man, he talked to you and shake your hand. So I've always had a, a, a heart for fellow. Um, and then there was a patch of times where I didn't see him for a long time. We saw each other. It was like a big hug, reunion kind of thing. But fellow, just somebody I've always looked up to. Willie, Willie was um, he came down to our front, to Miami from Orlando one time, and this was right after I got my wife's fab, and I was we're doing a county line event. And um, I was always throwing a lot of angle, right? Because it was still kind of new. The angle kits were new then. And um, I originally, when I fitted the Wise Fab kit, I had 16 by 8 inch wheels in the front. And I decided I want to go to 17 inch wheels on, on an E30, which is kind of big. 
but I just thought it looked cooler. Well, I didn't really recheck my clearances, right? So, like I should have. So, go <laughs> going in, fine. Coming out, I just threw a full lock. Well, the inside of the wheel landed right up against a brake uh, line bracket, and it was a ribbon of, of aluminum that was like like three feet long. So, I just, when I coming out, of course, I was the first car in a three-car tandem. I came out, I threw it, a lot of angle, and I just totally braked the front, and I spun the guy behind me, he went around. Willie was driving past. He was riding shotgun with me. And then the guy, the third guy in the in in the chain, uh, Mr. Um, John, uh, I, um, Jonathan, John, Jonathan um, Bowerman, uh, yeah. yeah. he decided to just like bam right in the front, just plow me right in the front. And <sighs> Willie was there with me through that. So I have I have love for both of those guys, and that's kind of the point of my story. <laughs> so um, I don't ready to cue that clip, Ben. Yeah, you ready to cue that clip? <laughs> I, I gave you plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's there. Let me just switch to it. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out a way for Mr. Parsons to be able to watch it as well. But uh, well, he's got to be able to watch it. He's got to tell us about what's going on uh okay well let me see let me switch over to that hit play and, and then, then maybe yeah exactly that's what i'm gonna do relax i think this is it here let's share that can you see what i'm seeing i can see it yes okay so you want to walk us through what's happening here so it's difficult to see it from this camera angle obviously they just wrecked um but I watched this before he went on the on the podcast. Um, so fellow from the overhead view, when he goes into the touch and go, if you look at where the front of his car is pointed, he basically is spun out. Like he has when he transitions, he snaps the car to crazy angle. And if you look at where the front of his car is headed, like he wasn't going to be able to make the transition. Like he had too much angle in the touch and go. Okay, I see. If that saying. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. hmm. Like, uh, and you can also tell by the speed of his car. Like he, he basically, he just cooked it too hard into the touch and go. Mm -hmm. uh, Willie is not on a good line following him, mm -hmm. but I think that they were going to make contact, like no matter what, even if he followed him into the touch and go. Okay. Okay. But basically, the front of Fellow's car is pointed at the dirt, like okay. a pretty significant angle and slowing down. Okay. Yeah. So okay, it was kind of difficult to call, and we gave fault to Fellow for that. And and that's a hard area to uh, ascertain whose fault it was because that – it's always a place where the follow driver, uh, if they get too close, they can they can hit the lead driver, because it's it's two transitions one after the other. It happens very quickly. So I mean, to come up to with I that conclusion, I mean, you, obviously you guys have the experience and the know how of how that's gonna happen. So that that was that was actually a good explanation of mm -hmm. of what happened there. I I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah. No, like, that that is good. Oh, it kinda, it, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, seeing it live also, the the slowdown's a little harder to see in the video, but we really want the cars to slow down before they go into the touch-and-go and then accelerate out of the touch-and-go. And seeing that run live, he had so much angle right at the touch-and-go, he was not accelerating as quickly as we would want to see. And then also the attitude of his car. Like, I just don't think he was going to be able to make it. 
smoothly from the touch and go to outer zone two. Like he kind of, he just, he hugged it too hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. I know a lot. Of, well, when I was, we were on the live stream, I tried to point out, and I don't know how accurate or how you, uh, whether you agree or disagree with this, but I see certain drivers attacking at that touch and go. And I just don't feel like that's the right, area to attack now some guys pull it off um i think uh ben hopson pulled it off once yeah, yeah. um i think Pretty a couple drivers up once huh screwed him up once. it did screw him up once yeah. but when they do pull that off where they attack there and then they they make that transition and they're right on the door versus making the transition transition and then surging forward um but what is your opinion as far as drivers attacking you think that's somewhere that they should try to hold off or what do, what do you think it depends on the driver. Some of the guys are really good at attacking through there, and it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. But where we end up dinging a lot of drivers is they get a little too overzealous and they transition too quickly. The drivers that are really good can attack and be on the lead car's line, which is looks amazing. Mm-hmm. So if they just hold off the transition a little bit longer – so that they're still in the pocket on the lead driver. Um, Like Nate Hamilton was doing it amazing before his car had -hmm. trouble. And a couple other drivers are always really good at really hanging it out, even in the follow position. They're able to stay in the pocket. Um, I think too many of the drivers are trying too hard. They're trying too hard to attack and they end up not making it to the touch and go in the follow position. So they just shortcut that turn and it caused contact. Like, um, with Ben Hobson, he shortcut it and ran right into Troy Manners. He hit him in the door and that's, he, well, he might've had an issue actually, but there was a couple other with Alec. It was Alec, Alec, yeah. Alec yeah, Alec and Nate. Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate went super deep into the touch and go and Alec Trent just, got excited and transitioned too early and it he basically he trapped himself to where there was no option except for a crash mm-hmm. um but i feel like if you're in the door at the touch and go you really can be aggressive going into the outer zone too mm-hmm. and it looks great so yeah and i know another one i don't i don't think it was so controversial but it was the taylor hole versus taylor ray Oh, you want to skip to that? Okay. I mean, yeah. unless there's another one that you have queued up. Uh, well, that was a highly, highly debated one. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, well, let me see if we can warm up to it. Do you have anything you want to warm up to before we get to that one? Well, actually, uh, I did have a question in regards to the uh, touch and go. And that is that, uh, was it always that with both of the cones get knocked down, they get a zero? Or is it something that was introduced for this round? No, uh, you can knock the cones down and not get a zero. But if the if we can clearly see that the cone hit is in the middle of your rear, the middle of your rear wheel forward on the car, then it's a zero. So like if you hit it with your back bumper, it's not a zero. It's just you know you made a mistake, you went too deep, but you're still good. If you hit it with the wheel or you know your your uh, driver's side door if you're driving left-hand drive, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be a zero. So that's like real deep, like you're way off the track at that point. But mm-hmm. if you're just hitting it with the back bumper, it's obviously it's a mistake. We don't want you to hit them, but it's not a zero. 
Right. Yeah. So you're right. still good. But I, I've seen quite a few times where you guys, the runs were so hard fought that even though they didn't hit it with the 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 wheel, it almost seemed like it came to a deciding factor because that's really the only mistake you could pull pull you know judge well definitely if one guy is on the zones and doesn't hit the you know he doesn't go too deep in the touch and go that's obviously gonna Mm -hmm. be better than hitting them so some people get excited and they do the transition and they end up hitting them but it's like an imaginary wall which is Mm -hmm. debatable the reason why we did the wheel hit with the cone is it's debatable with the chassis how far you could put it into a wall. We don't have a wall there, but if it's in the middle of your wheel, you're definitely not making it. Right. You know, yeah. if it's your trunk or your back bumper, you might be able to pull it out. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, was the thought process last year with that. Mm-hmm. Just need to put some K-rails there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, relax, okay? Just now, cement, cement poles. Now, as far as... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as far as the touch and go goes, I mean, this is just so a reminder for the drivers. The touch and go, those two cones, is not meant to be filled out. Is that correct? It's just That's get correct. in and get out. Yep. Okay. okay. You know, okay. one thing I will notice is that a lot of drivers, and I did drive the track once, and it, it is hard to ride that outer zone number one all the way through. I'd probably say a good 80% of the field. Was, they weren't getting to the far outside of outer zone number one until maybe like already like 60 or 70 percent into the zone. Mm-hmm. How did that, did you guys, did that, how much did that weigh into um, the judging? Because it seemed like everybody's doing it and then few guys were hitting it. Like the people that were hitting it were heavily rewarded for it. Okay. I mean, it's even, it's pretty long zone. So it's very difficult to ride the entire thing. I think the best drivers are hitting maybe 85% of it, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And they're the the ones that initiate and they're able to stay like mid to kind of outer track as they're going up the hill. Mm -hmm. And they're really able to get on throttle early and it brings them into that zone pretty quickly compared to everybody else. a lot of drivers that ride the inside of the track, they they get to the zone, but at the very end. Right. And it's pretty clear to see that. So, hmm. you know, they get docked for it for sure. Oh, what are your thoughts on the changes to the start? So the start, we tried a thing. <laughs> hmm. The... separating the lanes helped it fixed all the problems yeah we we were going to do a hard zero and stuff and it just it was going to be too hard like i think it was too hard for the drivers to guesstimate where they're at on the lead car because basically it was going to be a zero if the follow car was like beyond the rear wheel or something of the Mm. lead car and it just watching it in practice, it was very difficult to. Uh, you could tell the drivers were struggling with deciding where they could be, and so we just didn't want that to be a factor where they like slam on the brakes because they think they're going to get a zero mm-hmm. on the straightaway. But the whole purpose of separating the lanes was to keep people from cutting across the track too early. Okay. So now it's like kind of a a very definitive area where the lead car can come across, 
and the follow car should be out of their way. So if they come across and the follow car is there, you know, we should be able to see it and it mm-hmm. should be pretty obvious that they're impeding at that point. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see any issues with that this time at all. No, but yeah, it, it definitely perfectly smooth. Mm-hmm. It definitely changes some of the strategies, especially for like the lead driver, how, how they're going to, um, make like adjust the manji if they're going to do that or even the the following car how they're you know how they're going to f- follow up behind the driver because all of a sudden that driver in front can just go right in front of them as soon as that last cone they pass that last cone and i've seen some in-car video and it looks pretty terrifying uh like how yeah. some drivers just cut right in front of you just so they can faint so I think that's that that does play a little bit in strategy, and I think if that continues on to round four, uh, mm-hmm. then we're gonna start seeing drivers adapting to that more. So I don't know what we're gonna see in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, were you happy with the changes that were made in regards to protests? Yes, I was very happy with the changes to the protests. <laughs> 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 yeah, it went smoother this time well, for sure. Yeah. Well, we only had one protest, so that's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. I think out of all of last year and all the rounds this year, that's we've always had like three or four at a minimum. So having just one is crazy. But yeah, the rules, I don't know if the rules really played into it or just the calls were clear cut enough to where people didn't want to protest, but mm-hmm. not being able to ask about it first and just having to pay the money. I think that made a big difference and having to talk to web. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think another thing about it is, and, and I think you, you touched on it is that there as the rounds progress, I think the drivers start to get a better sense of what the judges are looking for. So once that happens, they have less of a reason to protest because case in point, going back to uh, Dan and his uh, tight pants, when he introduced <laughs> that notion to the drivers, I recall like there was so a, a bunch of them that were confused. And I was like, well, what's there? What's the confusion? Like, it's it's mm-hmm. pretty clear, like, what he's trying to say. But many people were confused. And I think now at this point, I, I mean, I would imagine, I would assume that people know, like, okay, well, now this is what Dan wants. This is what, what uh, Will wants. And this is what Dwayne wants. So there should be little uh, debate in regards to the judging criteria. Hmm. Nice. Exactly. I think people are figuring it out and you can tell the drivers that really pay attention because they really make an effort to do the things that we ask them to do and that you can see it and the people that don't listen, you can tell because they're usually the ones that are the most upset and they obviously didn't listen to what we said because they didn't do anything that we told them to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more people are finally listening because the track is very deceiving in how technical it is. It's very small. It's easy to link, but it's extremely technical for what we're asking the drivers to do. And I think a lot of the drivers are finally getting that like, oh, it's extremely technical. So I really need to pay attention, you know, in the slow parts of the track and things that at speed are very hard to make the car do 
comfortably they're forcing the car to do it and it it's looking great for us as judges and spectators and everything but they're finally like it's clicking i feel more more so than it was last year in the first two rounds this year yeah no i mean what you guys add to that track because like you said it's it's pretty easy to drive it just to link it in fun day but where you're asking the drivers to put their car you could see just by the qualifying scores, right, that there's only a handful of guys that can really give you guys what you want. Um, and even even those guys aren't getting 99, you know, or 100 point or 98 right. point qualifying runs, right? Yeah, it's a very difficult, it's a difficult setup for sure. Hmm. And you really have to focus on forcing the car to go where we want it to go, not where it goes naturally. And that's what's kind of difficult is changing the car from, you know, just floating where it wants to go and transitioning where it wants to go to really forcing it to go to the zones and the yeah. clips. And and only that, the line that you guys are asking the lead driver to run is really helping the chase driver quite a bit. So that lead car mm-hmm. puts down a good run. It's like, he knows. Okay, I'm in this. I, I'm everywhere I need to be. But if the guy behind me is worth his salt, he's gonna put down an amazing chase run. So that adds pressure to that lead driver. I'm sure, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, something that uh, when you're talking about like you know telling the drivers how what to do and what not to do and whatnot, is there a situation like? Of course, as judges, you bring out rules and you tell how. You know, like, this is what we want to see. But is there something that you saw in this past round or in previous rounds where you're like, we didn't think that would happen and we didn't really account for it. So, like, uh, now we have to, like, kind of adjust something for the next round. Trying to think of something specific. Really, this year, there hasn't been much of that. Things that we noticed that we didn't account for. Um, Wheels falling off, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen that yet <laughs> well not a clutch <laughs> not a clutch kick. yeah um, <laughs> the wicknick uh taylor hole call that was something that is very we haven't really talked about things like that that are just extremely hard to call where it's in my opinion it's impossible to tell what would have happened mm-hmm. had they not touched or whatever but mm-hmm. Really, we've accounted for most things. Oh, um, that's right. Taylor Ray. Taylor Ray. Taylor Ray. Taylor Ray and, oh, did and, I say yeah. Taylor Hole? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taylor Ray. Oh, that, no. <laughs> Tim, I do. Tim makes the same mistake. I do that all the time. Oh, yeah. 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 One of the Taylors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. one of the Taylors. Yeah, but that worked out pretty well because the drivers were both willing to say, hey, listen, I think it was my fault. I think it was my fault. Um, so that, I'm sure, made your job easier, correct? Yeah, what was your reaction to that? Well, it was kind of a, it's weird because it was a very, we watched it live and we weren't really sure what happened and then reviewed it, you know, a bunch of times on the live stream and from the overhead drone. And it was extremely hard to tell how hard the contact was. And like Brandon was running an amazing lead lap and was right on the edge of outer zone three so it's it was very hard to tell where his car was going to go 
And so we asked, you know, track staff to go look. We said, hey, don't talk to them, but just go look at Brandon's car and um, see, you know, if there's marks or dent or something. So he, we were on the phone and he said, yeah, there's a, you know, there's definitely a black mark, small dent, like not crazy, but they definitely made contact. And so we just asked him, we were like, oh, well, what's the temperature down there? Like, what are those guys saying? Like, what are they kind of feeling? So he just sort of eavesdropped on them and basically relayed to us that neither one really knew what happened. They weren't sure if the bump caused the spin or if the spin was going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. And we watched a bunch of times and it's a thing where that decided the run if Brandon hadn't spun, it would have been real easy to make the call, but because he spun, it's like that became the whole decision behind mm -hmm. that, that battle. Mm -hmm. And we just all three felt that it was unfair to make a driver lose when we couldn't really tell, you know, had he not hit him, would he have spun? I have no idea. They definitely right. hit, it's extremely hard to tell. Mm -hmm. You know, last year we had the Taylor Hole and Taylor Ray, actually. Taylor mm -hmm. Ray hit Taylor Hole in the same yep. spot. Yeah. And we made the call that it was Taylor Ray's fault. And when we reviewed it in slow motion, the contact looked way harder than it did in person. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen that, but I've watched the, the drone footage from the drone that was chasing them mm -hmm. and it's like super high definition, slow motion. It, it looks a lot different than watching it live or even in the live stream drone feed. Oh, so we just couldn't make the call. Like it, it was mm. too hard to call based on that and make one of those drivers go home. So we just... Since mm -hmm. both of them didn't really know who was at fault or what happened, we just decided it'd be better to send them one more time and right. see what happened. But Ben, you don't it, by any chance have that run. Yeah, I'm actually... Can uh, you play it from the start, though, instead of just at the very end? Oh, from the start of the run? Yeah, from the start of the run, so not just that final section. Get get a view from the... Oh, okay. From the start and watch the whole run. So early people, if they haven't seen it, they can see it. Now, at, at that point, would you just end up calling that a shared fault? No, basically yes okay yep hmm. basically it's it was so hard to tell mm -hmm. yeah you should be able to see it right yeah i see it yep so taylor's doing an amazing job following him and they bump it's like right there they bump and then right after that the dirt drop happens hmm. so that bump may have Spun them, it may not have, but it's actually right there they touch. Enough to leave a pretty good mark on Brandon's car, but not crazy. So we don't, we didn't want to make Taylor lose for being mm -hmm. aggressive, and we didn't want to make Brandon lose for spinning, mm -hmm. you know, on his own. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good call. Yeah. Both of the drivers seem super happy with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, anytime you get a one more time call, you know, you mm -hmm. should be able to win the battle if you're good enough. So absolutely, I mean Taylor had a, Taylor Ray had a, Taylor Ray had quite a few one more time battles. That little Miata, yeah. that mean that little Miata went to work, it and did. that that car was working all night. Yeah, yeah, definitely made up for uh, his round one uh, early exit there. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
Two events in a row where the Miatas are winning. Are you guys biased towards Miatas? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I don't know. After that battle with Brandon, I felt like Taylor Ray was just locked in. So yeah. that one more time, he just looked locked in. And then after that, I just I felt like he was unbeatable. He just seemed glued to everybody he was following, and he was just laying down great lead laps. Um mm. The round before, um, it's just the Miatas work well on this track. Mm -hmm. They just, they definitely can throw down. And yeah. I think the narrowness of the track, how narrow it is and everything plays to their, to their size. I'm real mm -hmm. curious what a Corolla would do. Mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. yeah, actually, I'm curious too. I'm always have curious. We <laughs> a, have we seen a Corolla out there yet? No, we haven't no. seen one. They're collectors' items now. It's just yeah, all I get about there. They're too expensive to drive. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh, interesting. So I, I don't know if you want to move on to Taylor Ray versus Taylor Hole. Yeah, I got uh, that. Uh, can, you, can you play the whole run though? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, I got it up here. Uh, can Can you guys see it somehow or no? No, uh, no, no. no, no we we're can't. not able to see it. But can well maybe like that. Is no, that no, you got a sense. Uh, I got an idea. Oh, gonna, no, it's not gonna work. That's not. No, it's a couple work. minutes delayed, everybody. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. It's a little delayed. Yeah, relax. Okay, all right. I can kind of see it. Well, I'm okay, no, he's try. talking about the live stream. Yeah, I'm gonna exactly. try. Okay, go ahead and try. We're gonna go uh, play well, it like you're that. You're blocking the side of the screen, anyways, right? Well, yeah. If you want, you can get up. Oh, there, there you go. <laughs> Actually, I'm, it's right there. I can <laughs> see it just fine. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So it was, I guess, a bit of a false start right there, right? Yeah, Taylor Hole uh, jumped the light, and I guess from what we heard from the judging towers, he knew he jumped the light, so he just immediately stopped because he saw Zach's reaction or something. And so just a restart, no big deal. And I liked how Taylor Ray is starting far back. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't want a, a hole to get away from him. Right. And so it's it's hard if you slow it down right there. So oh, hang on. Uh, I haven't actually got a chance to talk to Taylor Hole about this, but he's pretty disappointed that he lost to say the least, but um so he did a great job of feel of getting into outer zone 1, but if you watch his front wheels before he runs over the front clipping point cone, he basically turns the wheel almost oh, straight. I see that. And then he, yeah, and then he runs over the cone, like pretty bad. Like that was, in our opinion, that was a huge mistake. Um, he basically did a rolling burnout to not go just completely off track. So his car's attitude, you know, he has a certain amount of angle and he's on throttle and then his car changes direction and it almost goes straight across the front clipping point cone. Yep. So that was a pretty sizable mistake for him in our opinion. And Taylor Ray is just doing an amazing job following him. Like they're glued together, basically following his line and everything. They speeded it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like toy and cars. then on Taylor Ray's lead, I believe he he does he doesn't fill outer zone one all the way, but he's pretty spot on other than that. 
Well, we could get another angle from here on the replay. But right. So from the drone footage, you see the angle change and then yeah. almost straight lines over the inner clip. Yeah, if you oh, back yeah. it up to oh, yeah. that again, that would be awesome. Yeah, this is only five seconds behind. You see? <laughs> oh, relax. Okay, here. Hang on, hang on. Let me just slow that part down so that way everybody can dissect it. Yep. There we go. Yeah. So right here, his wheel, his front wheels are straight, essentially. Ah. He hits the cone and then does the transition. And he, because of that, he doesn't do a good job filling the touch and go. He's almost inside apexing the dirt there. But that yeah. straight line is pretty... I think if his car had made like 10 less horsepower, he would have been completely obviously straight. Mm. But he was able to just stand on it, you know, and he probably had one degree of angle, but not much at all. Yeah. Let, let me ask you something. How quickly do you guys are able to pick up on that? Is it that obvious or is it something that like you stop, slow down, pause, play, pause? Or it's, you, you can definitely watching it live. You can see it. You can see the bobble. And it's hard to tell exactly what happened with Taylor Hole's car, especially because he has black wheels in the front. It's hard to tell what the what he's doing exactly. It's also super loud and makes a ton of smoke. Um, so that run, we definitely replayed it a bunch. You can see the bobble, but it's hard to tell exactly why the bobble happened. Mm. And then replaying it, I think he just didn't stay out long enough. Or maybe his car is just too gripped up, but he definitely straight lined from outer zone one to the inner clip. Yeah, I think this is uh, when Taylor Hole called a five minute timeout, I believe. Yeah, I think his car was overheating, maybe. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, but I mean, great job to Taylor A to follow him through that. Indeed. That, that that's not that's not easy to make those adjump, adjustments so quickly. So here you got Taylor Ray doesn't get to the outer zone one till the very end. He's on the inner clip on the touch and go. Did a very good job in outer zone number two, and Taylor Hole is sticking with him good. You know it's just a pretty clean run. He's good on outer zone three. They might have touched there barely. Yeah, it looked like it. Mm-hmm. Hang on, let me uh, slow that that part down a bit. I'm I'm curious now. Yeah, I remember I remember that part where I was like, oh, was there contact? <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, but watching it like we we're saying before, you really gotta sp like split hairs here because yep. Taylor Hole, you see that that loss of angle and how he has that power, like like Will was saying to just. Standing burnout right through it, right? Right. And had he not had that much horsepower, it would have been way more evident. So it didn't Taylor Ray just Ooh, put down a yeah. great run. And looks like, yeah, right about there he hits. Yeah, yeah right as they cross the line and boom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can see that. So, yeah, Taylor Ray definitely missed outer zone number one. But in our opinion, he he got to it at the very end. He didn't fill the whole zone, so that obviously is a mistake. But it's not the same mistake as coming up short and just plowing the inner clip cone completely. 
because you have to go straight to not drive off the track on the inside. Right. Right. Like if Taylor, if Taylor Hall had, had maintained his angle, he would have been in the grass a lot. Like mm-hmm. both his front wheels would have been in the grass. Hmm. Right. Interesting. Well, there you have it. Yeah. That's wow. a breakdown. Yeah. That was I, I did not awesome. pick up on that before. Definitely yeah, not. Yeah. yeah. I didn't either. That was an eye-opening and lightning experience. I will <laughs> tell you that. Hallelujah. Yeah. My last one changed. All I, remember, <laughs> all I remember from that run was that Taylor Hall hit the cone, but I like but when you dissect it like that, showing the reduction of angle going through there, it just makes so much sense why you made that call. It's crazy. Hmm. Well, it, I haven't I haven't got a chance to he he reached out to me and I haven't got a chance to talk to him yet, but Really, I mean, in that video, you can see his front wheels change direction a significant amount. Like, he turns them to straight and then back to angle, which mm-hmm. that's not something he was doing normally. Right. Right. So right. he definitely messed up. He just got lost or something. I'm not sure. Too gripped up. Right. Yeah, because, uh, well, like you said, at this level, at especially at this track – with these drivers driving it repeatedly in the same layout, um, it's just going to get more and more challenging for you guys. It really is. Definitely, because we're already seeing some exciting battles on top 32. Usually it's like on top 16 further down uh, Mm -hmm. towards the finals, but top 32... We're yeah. already seeing some uh, crazy battles. Yeah, that and was heated all the way from top 32 all the way down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that it was, was crazy. But in, in some respects, this kind of takes me back to when we were judging events. And one of the things that we would tell people is treat the cone as if it's a wall. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't imagine if that was a wall how Taylor Hall's car would have reacted to that. It would have ended his run. It would definitely end his run. He can't do that at Long Beach, that's for sure. (laughs) It it would have been very bad. I don't think this car would have survived. (laughs) Right. Oh, boy. Uh, Go ahead, No. Oh, no, I was going to say, talking about, like, how the drivers have been driving the track over and over and, you know, they should know better now. We also got to remember it's the level of competition, especially going on through the night, is so high that even the best drivers will make mistakes because they are pushing. You know, so I mean, it's it's something to re- to remember that all these guys there are really good drivers. Mm-hmm. You know that when they make it to top sixteen, top eight, you're talking about like some of the best drivers in the country just going out at it. So I mean, it's just something to remember. You know, like oh, he made this mistake. It's like he's under pressure. He's a lot. You know, so I think it's you know something to mm-hmm. as a spectator to remember. Yeah. Definitely. Like it's not like his mistake is not gigantic, but it just is a lot worse than anything that Taylor Ray did. So mm-hmm. it's not like he didn't spin out. He didn't fly off the track, mm-hmm. but they're all definitely killing it. And everybody is at the end, especially in the final four and stuff, it's super cutthroat and everybody's doing amazing yeah Mm. it comes down to see whose car will last because these they're pushing their cars so much we had quite a few issues where guys just their cars and well nate hamilton he was he was suffering with the fuel issues i think uh well no cooling issue well i first i know before we started i know he was talking to the judges because i was there about he was having issues with the fuel pump and he was losing fuel pressure yeah um, he seemed to make it through that, but then after the collision, I, I don't know what happened after that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounded pretty bad. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, and I could hear him through practice before top 64. The car was misfiring. So, yeah, the fuel pressure issues were real. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's just uh, the attrition of competition. Mm-hmm. You know, it, these guys are pushing their cars to mm-hmm. the max. And it, to make it all the way to the finals is an achievement. Are you, <laughs> so. are you taking us to the bathroom? <laughs> I might right, be about to. I'm gonna have to meet you guys for a second. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me uh, hold let on me just s- a minute. Uh, okay. Right back. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, so while he's relieving himself. <laughs> um. So, what do you guys think as far as round four? Right. So. Mm-hmm. Is the driver's list up for round four yet? Uh, no, it's no. not. It's too early for that. No. Okay. So right uh, now in the point standings, the points um, has the points yeah, leaderboard have been updated? No, no, it has not been updated at the moment, but there's definitely going to be a shakeup mm-hmm. with, you know, uh, Alec Honadel and, you know, the, the situation with uh, Nate Hamilton. Oh, who was uh, number two that got Alec, knocked out? Alec Honadel. Yeah, no, that was number one. No, ben, Julian. Ben, ben Julian. Ben Julian. Ben Julian. Yeah, he got knocked out in top 32 by Nate Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, there's definitely going to be a shakeup in the points. Uh, I would like to see how this is going to create, uh, you know, the situations from for round four and five. Because mm-hmm. now, I mean, if round three is where you really needed to start making the push for the championship, round four and five, you have to be on fire. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's gunning for it. So Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting yep. to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm just on the website right now, and yeah, it's not it's not up yet. Yeah. But okay. see, when the top five: um, Alec Hondale, Ben Julian, Adam LZ, Nate Hamilton, Dirk Stratton. So I think, if I recall correctly, a- Adam LZ went the furthest, right? Uh, n- wait, now I'm confused. What do you mean the furthest? The furthest in the top five, possibly from from the top five. Oh, from yeah, the top five? he plays sixth. I believe. Yeah. So yeah, I think he he would have been right because yeah, because Hole's not in the top five. He's well, he was ninth before I think, right? Uh, yeah, he was at ninth. the start of the event. Yeah, he was the ninth. ninth. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I think we went over all the battles we're going to go. Is there anything else? I mean, we're, we're probably about time to, to start wrapping things up, anyways. No. I ha- I have a couple of final oh. questions and keep going. Uh, and keep uh, going. Ignore well, what I said. Well, are you back? <laughs> yeah, he's I'm back. back. Oh yes. Sorry. All right. <laughs> he went to go. Uh, Relieve himself and refill. Did you wipe the seat? I was going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you Did you wipe the seat? (laughs) Oh no! That's that's my Fast and Furious uh, quote of the night. That's that's good to know. Thank you, Tess. What was your reaction to uh, Adam LZ's throttle cable breaking? It was very disappointing. (laughs) Yeah, I heard it was rigged. I heard I heard the judges Rigged? did that. I'm, yeah, that's why that's why I saw in the chat. <laughs> yeah. well, I had partially cut it before the event. <laughs> yeah. Took it until yeah. the finals yeah. for it to break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I heard that it was it was being held together by some fruit roll-ups. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it sucked as like for us announcers because we were like hyping it up like Taylor Ray versus Adam LZ. YouTube battle. Is, yeah, it was like this is gonna <laughs> yeah. be the biggest battle of the night, and then it's like no, not really. Here, yeah. you know, womp, womp. Womp. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's uh, but allowed Taylor Ray. To rematch Taylor Hall, so that was yeah. exciting. Yeah, that, it, it always ends up being that way. Taylor Ray versus Taylor Hall, and it's always exciting to watch those two drivers go at it anyway. So. But now Taylor Ray has uh, two wins over him? I yeah, two, uh, two on one. 
I I got a question, and I want to just kind of break up, you know, what you were going to say, just just because I'll forget, you know, okay. get to that point where I forget. <laughs> what do you think about Mal- Michael Elsie's car? Right, he took a perfectly good Supra. Oh god, and he pulled oh, the Jay Z out and he put a V eight in. So, what's your take on that? Being a Toyota guy, what do you think? Is that sacrilege? I don't know. It's <laughs> he's not confrontational. He's got he's to be not politically correct. Right? Politically correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. uh, I figure I threw that at you. And you are making it yourself a villain, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just joking. I, hey, it's working for him. Right? He was at the after party. You should have told him something. I was sleeping. I know. <laughs> I was sleeping. So, but yeah, but I, I like. I feel the same way, similar to when people put a V8 in RX, especially in FD. Yeah, but they've been doing it for so long. I've had time to to cope with it. Right. Yeah, this just... is still fresh. Right. This is that. Like what? Are you serious? So it's going to take me a few more. Maybe by round five, I'll be like, all right. But, you know, right now it's kind of like, eh. It's tough, but it's definitely understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, It's funny with those chassis. Well, the Supra is like shorter in the front than the SE. But when you, they're basically the same car. Mm-hmm. When you put a V8 in them, it's like, it looks tiny in the engine bay. Mm-hmm. It sits way far back. It's really yeah. weird looking. It's yeah. good for weight distribution, though. No? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're taking weight off the front; the car can become snappier and just and be faster. It, I mean, it's, it, it makes it, it like helps. a mid-engine car. I don't know if you've ever looked at it, <laughs> yeah. Super or an SC, but it's like the JZ engine is just barely over the cross member, so the V8 oh. is like completely behind it or right, right on top of it. The so front several, several of the benefits, V8. Yeah. So yeah. He, yeah, yeah. So he knows what he's doing. It, you know, it'll take uh, me some time. <laughs> so a little four-cylinder must be like in the passenger seat. Oh, well, I mean, uh, back in the day in uh, in JGTC, when it was called that, uh, this, they had the Tom's Castrol Supra with a 3S or what was it, 504E, was it called? No, they, no. they ran a 3S. Oh, it was a 3S, 3S GT. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, the 3S is completely behind the cross member, yeah. like 100%. Yeah. The handling of that car was incredible. So yeah. I got I got a couple of victories from it, but uh, going back to the event and maybe not so much the event. Uh, Paul touched on something that I wanted to ask you about in regards to the after party. How was it like? <laughs> and, and I don't know if you want to divulge too many uh, details, but I, I I sort of wanted to know how was it like tandeming with Officer Dan <laughs> with the uh, dolphins and stingrays. Hmm. <laughs> So it it was growing it was going amazing. Also, we had uh, Walter's Booze, who's a, a media guy, okay, who's an amazing uh, photographer. It was the three of us, and we decided to go in the ocean and to explore, or great. or just random uh, adventure. To, you know, adventure to explore. Okay, you know, same same. <laughs> At we three were just trying to have a good time. We. Uh, I think we had all consumed some adult beverages. <laughs> uh, and I'm not that bright. So my wife, she warned me that I should remove my glasses if I'm going to be swimming in the ocean. And I wasn't planning on actually swimming, you know, just waiting in the ocean. So I disregarded her warning. And <laughs> that was a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> So how to the, ruin the after party. <laughs> <laughs> so the question that follows that is uh were officers dance shorts still tight going into the ocean? Hmm. 
they they were definitely tight going in and then when we all started looking for my glasses i think they they got loose oh okay (laughs) (laughs) makes sense it makes sense and the wind let out of his sails unfortunately (laughs) yeah Mm. he ended his camping trip (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) so so you never found it then right no (laughs) they're probably uh, on a different coast i would imagine yeah yeah and i think we if you lived in florida you've you've lost your glasses i've lost glasses a couple times in, in the ocean oh yeah Man. i uh, i did a google search on it because i was just curious like what direction does the tide take <laughs> basically it was if you lost it for more than five minutes it's going to a different country like it's oh wow wow <laughs> oh wow it's crazy how fast things travel you know mm-hmm. yes <laughs> I'm curious because of the time frame. Did you take the opportunity to at least spend the time with Officer Dan to watch the sunrise together? Oh, <laughs> we didn't make it to the sunrise. Oh. We almost did, though. It was close. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I uh, did see a giant uh, stingray, which was amazing. Oh boy, so that was cool. Yeah, just don't step on it and and. Uh, don't pull the barb out if it hits you in the chest. Rest yeah. in peace. He was, he was cruising. I, I kind of was. What is that? And I was. Oh man, got to stay away from him. Yeah, <laughs> just cruising. Yeah. Uh, so, c- closing thoughts uh, in regards to the event overall. Um, overall, I thought it was awesome. I thought people really stepped up, even in the top sixty-four. I feel people are driving better overall. I think the events are getting better and going smoother. We made a few adjustments. This is the first round where out of all of them that I can remember where multiple drivers came up and said that it was better. Even people that lost that normally would have been upset were they were just, man, it went better. The judging was better. Everything went smoother. We weren't there, you know, last round it went past 1 a.m. So right. I think everybody was a lot, you know, a lot happier that it, yeah. it didn't take as long. Oh, but, we were. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were we able to at least get a lot smoother. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, anything in particular that drivers should be aware of to expect for the next round? Not that I know of yet. We've been tossing around the idea of running the track backwards, mm. but it's still it's very difficult with where the spectators come into the track to mm-hmm. have a layout that's backwards that works, but we're still talking about it. But okay. as of now, everything is going to be the same, but you know, Mm-hmm. We're we're kind of trying to figure it out how to do it backwards. Okay, good deal. We've worked on some other layouts too, but it just with the pit spacing and everything, I don't. I think that it's either going to be backwards or the same. Okay. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, any so where can people follow you on the uh, interwebs? Oh, uh, like on Instagram, I'm just Will Parsons, and on Facebook. It's about it. 
<laughs> okay. Simple enough. I can uh, keep you updated on Houston's janky car scene. I like to <laughs> stories of that. Oh, there you go. I, I see a lot of weird stuff in Houston, so. Yeah, we see it down here, too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, we, we might yeah. randomly come across a SR5 coupe just, like, scooting on by, and we're like, what is that? <laughs> so yep, random. That's me. I, I yep. zoom. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, uh, gentlemen, anything else? No, you uh, good? No, I'm good. Okay. Any, any sponsors you want to hit up or uh, <laughs> mention? <laughs> mention? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and figs, they always help me out. So they definitely hold it down for me. Okay. But it's about it. Clutch kickers. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of <laughs> course. <Definitely>. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Will, we appreciate you taking the time to come and join us on the show tonight. Uh, we know it's not an easy job, as mentioned before. Some say it's a thankless job, but you're making the most out of it. And you're helping to, uh, along with your uh, coworkers, colleagues, uh, are, are helping to make uh, this uh, series challenging and exciting. And we can't wait to see what you guys do for the rest of the year and again we appreciate you taking the time and uh and folks also for those of you who tuned in thank you uh mm -hmm. for taking a part uh, being part of this submitting your questions and we hope to see you for the next episode until then good night good